The reading today is Luke 2, verses 21 to 35. That's Luke 2, 21 to 35. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what it is Sorry. In keeping with what it is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was a righteous and devout man. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Christ to do for him what is the custom of the law, requir- of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said to them about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray together before... We look at it. Dear Lord, we pray that as we look at this passage from Luke, that you would enable us to learn, teach us what it is you want us to learn today. Amen. Well, uh, the other day I was watching uh, Royal Carols uh, on television. Um, it's a service from Westminster Abbey hosted by uh, the Princess of Wales. Maybe some of you watched it as well. And it was encouraging to find that on prime television we had readings from the Bible, nativity scenes and prayers and carols, of course. But I did notice that somebody said twice at the beginning of the programme that it was all about the birth of a baby. Uh, well, maybe I'm a bit pernickety, um, but uh, maybe you know they're just looking for an angle which wouldn't offend anybody. You can't go wrong with saying how pleased you are about a baby. Um, but I thought Christmas was more to do with who the baby was. And when I find, uh, when I look at Luke, I find that he agrees. Uh, so perhaps we should remind ourselves just for a moment uh, uh, about Luke and what he's about when he writes it. Colossians 4.14, Paul calls him, says of him, our dear friend Luke, the doctor. For Luke travelled with Paul on many of his missions, uh, became a faithful friend 
and was with Paul right to the last. But I see things about Luke. Um, first is he wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile. And secondly, he wasn't an eyewitness to the events that he records. What he has done is carefully researched uh, and put together an account for us uh, of the things that have happened, as he says, from people who were eyewitnesses and set them down for us here, an orderly account, he says. But as we look at this uh, chapter 2 here uh, as a whole, which you can do when you've got a paper copy, just saying, and uh, <clears throat> the birth of Jesus takes quite a small space in the chapter. Whereas Luke really concentrates more on what was said about Jesus. And uh, he does that by choosing three accounts here. The angels appearing to the shepherds, which we looked at on Christmas Day. Uh, Simeon meeting the parents and baby Jesus. And then the boy, Jesus, going missing, but then eventually being found with the teachers in the temple. So those three accounts. Now, as you read those accounts, uh, the evidence seems to point to Luke having spoken to Mary. That's what most commentators uh, agree on interviewed her you might say and these are the three things that he particularly pulls out uh, picks on before we go into uh, John the Baptist and the ministry and when you think about those three instances uh, what might stand out for us is that they would stand out for a mother these are three instances that would register uh, as verse 20 says things that she would treasure up and ponder in her heart. So let's look then at this Luke's account of Simeon's reaction to meeting the baby Jesus. So Mary and Joseph, they've gone into the temple because they have been careful to follow all that was required of them according to the law of Moses. The last thing of which was to present their firstborn son to the Lord and offer a sacrifice. And that's what they're doing when they bump into Simeon and also Anna, the prophetess. So what does Luke say about Simeon? Well, not a lot is the answer. He's more interested in what Simeon says. Uh, now it seems, I don't know about you, but it seems to me when you look at the, particularly I don't know somehow the, the Christmas stories, uh, that God is consistent and determined in his plan to use people who are seemingly of no importance. In fact, often people who might be considered to be slightly dodgy, like the shepherds. Even Mary's marriage to Joseph would have been frowned upon at that time. And he continues that on into the New Testament, being criticised for spending his time with tax collectors and sinners. Well, Simeon is not perhaps dodgy. Luke says he is a man who was righteous and devout. He would have approved then of Mary and Joseph adhering to the law. But he'd also be a person who generally cared for people. He was righteous. Righteous is more than someone who just keeps the law. But me and all the commentators can't find any reason to believe that there was anything particularly important about Simeon, humanly speaking. There's no mention of him being a priest or an official, but God chooses him to deliver an amazing prophecy over the child uh, Jesus. 
So, let's look at, um, <clears throat> we're going to look at three different things, uh, three headings, sorry. Uh, and uh, what Simeon, uh, link, how links the Old Testament and the New Testament, Simeon announcing the arrival of the Messiah and then warning Mary that the salvation comes at a cost and with a challenge. So I'm going to read to you. Uh, we're looking at first point, Simeon links the Old Testament. And I'm going to read verse 25 uh, and to 27. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was custom, was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms. Now, I don't know if you noticed there, but the Holy Spirit is mentioned three times in those verses. He's mentioned that the, the Holy Spirit at the end of 20, 25 was, uh, was upon him. It mentions that the Holy Spirit revealed to him uh, that he would not die before seeing the Lord's Christ. And then the Holy Spirit moved him to move into the temple at that particular time. Worth noting how much the Holy Spirit actually revealed to this ordinary man. First of all, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, verse 25. Now, that doesn't mean consolation in the sense, there, there, everything's going to be okay, type. Every little thing is going to be all right, as Bob Morley would say. What this means is waiting for the arrival of the Messiah, the Christ, the Saviour. That would be the consolation of Israel. And of course, the Jews understood that as being particularly the Saviour of Israel. But Simeon is about to clarify that it's more than that. So the Holy Spirit leads him into the temple. Uh, now the temple is very large, crowded probably at that time. 35 acres, I looked up, the actual building. And uh, on exactly the right day and exactly the right time, he meets Mary and Joseph. Something of a miracle in its own right. But he has been promised by God that he would not die before he sees the Lord's Christ himself. Now this may lead you to believe that he is old. And perhaps he is, but it doesn't actually say that he is old. It does say that Anna is old. Um, so he is more like a watchman that he has set to look out for the coming of the Messiah and then to announce it. And once he has seen and declared his arrival he then can stand down from his duties. All the same, though, it is a mark of his faith, don't you think, that in your salvation, God's salvation, as he calls it, that he can now die in peace, trusting in what the Lord's Christ will achieve. Now, how exactly the Holy Spirit uh, revealed to him that he personally would see the Messiah, uh, we're not told. Sometimes I guess you just know things are right. Though you would be hard-pressed to prove it. The Christian gospel is, of course, a faith of evidence and reason. But we cannot limit God to only doing things which we have the capacity to understand. But what is clear here is that Simeon has been studying the Old Testament scriptures. 
in particular Isaiah. That is clear when he says Jesus will be the light to the Gentiles, verse 32, because he's quoting there Isaiah 42 and 49. And when he says that Jesus would be spoken against and that Mary will have her soul pierced, meaning by grief, then he is seeing the Messiah as the suffering servant mentioned in Isaiah, which Isaiah spoke of quite a lot. In fact, his understanding of who the Messiah would be is in stark contrast to most people that we meet in the New Testament, interestingly. So the Holy Spirit has revealed many things to him as he has studied the Scriptures. And it seems to reveal to him also his own personal part in it. So Simeon, though steeped in Old Testament uh, teaching, announces that those scriptures, what those scriptures have said about Jesus as he holds him in his arms. So he draws from the Old Old Testament scripture that he's read and reveals to us what then will become the New Testament scripture. There are many lessons for us, I think, to learn here from Simeon. The fact that he studied the scriptures, that he's seeking God's guidance, waiting upon the Lord, and trusting that he has a plan and a purpose for us. So my second point then is, Simeon announces the arrival of the Messiah in verses 28 to 32. Let me read those to you. Simeon took him in his arms and praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For mine eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for the glory of your people Israel. What a beautiful declaration this is. Um, Often used and sung in Church of England, churches down through the years, I sung it as a boy, called Nunc Dimittis, in case that's relevant to you. (laughs) He has been inspired by the Holy Spirit to see that this six-week-old baby, who he now holds in his arms, who's not yet spoken or done anything, is God's salvation. A saviour who has come in the sight of all people, for all people. And he clarifies what he means by all people by saying, as the angel had said also, indeed, that I bring good news of great joy that will be for all people. He clarifies it um, by quoting Isaiah, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Gentiles meaning anybody who wasn't a Jew, basically. So that's everybody. So this is a salvation. This is a saviour for all people, for Jews and and Gentiles alike. A revelation for those who do not yet know who the Lord is. No wonder then it says in verse 33 that the child's father and mother marvelled at what was said about him. Of course an angel had appeared to both Mary and Joseph and the shepherds had reported to them what they had seen and been told by the angel. But here is a man standing in the temple, quoting scripture to them and applying it to their child. But more than that, Simeon expands 
on what they have already heard, casts a new bright light, as one person says, on what they have been told. And they marvelled at what Simeon obviously already knew about the baby. Now, if you had stood with them in that temple at that day, you might have thought, well, God has chosen this ordinary man, devout and righteous, to announce this, but who is ever going to hear what he said? Yet here we are, 2,000 years later, and we're reading it, what, it's, what he said. And people all over the world are reading it, in every nation, and they're hearing it. And it's even become a song that churches all around the world sing themselves. What a great work God has done in Simeon. But my third point <coughs> is what he then says to Mary. And it's a warning that salvation comes at a cost and with a challenge. So I'll read from verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. But then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul. Christmas is often depicted, I think, as a rather sentimental celebration a very temporary turning to love, joy and peace. I wish it could be Christmas every day, Wizard sang, and we listened to umpteen times at Christmas. Thank God it's Christmas, the Queen, sorry, Queen sang, for just one day. There is, no, there is I, I hope you notice, a longing uh, for Christmas and this where we grasp momentarily this joy, that that should be forever. But as the world celebrates Christmas, it seldom acknowledges that the sign, as Simeon calls it, that is the sign of God's love and his forgiveness, offer of forgiveness, has been and continues to be spoken against, rejected and denied. Even in the very way they celebrate Christmas, it often somehow conspires to deny the very message that brings the joy, love and peace. So let's again see what Simeon says to Mary. Uh, I, I, I just read that, didn't I? Yep. yep. <clears throat> As Mary and Joseph are marvelling at Simeon's words, he tells them that this salvation comes at a cost. Shares some human truths, some hard truths. Things that which had not yet been spoken of to Mary and Joseph. Now we do not need to be told that this sign, this salvation, will be spoken against. Because we see that in many places. Countries where Christians are persecuted. And every effort is made to silence the message. And increasingly we see the message spoken against in our very own country. Hence my being pleased, I suppose, and a bit surprised at the royal carols. We see it opposed, rejected and refuted. And if, like me, that grieves you, then 
this attempt to silence the very message, then this passage gives us some real encouragement. First of all, Simeon declares that this will be so, even before it happens. Even while he looks upon Jesus as a little baby, he shows us that what God always knew this would happen. He is not taken by surprise by this. And it turns out that the very extreme methods the leaders used to speak against and silent Jesus, ultimately to put him to death, turned out to be the very means by which God achieved salvation. That's the thought. So what these verses encourage us is to stand back and look at the situation from God's perspective. Salvation comes and it will accomplish what God has ordained it should. As C.S. Lewis wrote in his poem, this is the turning point in history. For the Saviour has come. Simeon held that Saviour in his arms and declared, my eyes have seen your salvation. Nothing will ever be the same again. So this is no sentimental or temporary thing. Christmas only looks like that if you deny or ignore the reason you're celebrating it. So what happens then is that Jesus becomes what Isaiah prophesied in 8.14, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Also quoted in Peter chapter 1. If I can put it to you this way, you don't push the gospel aside, you stumble and fall on it. The gospel is an offence, an insult to human pride, declares that we are hopelessly sinful and cannot save ourselves. We cannot work it out for ourselves, salvation. And if Jesus had not come and given his life in this humiliating and humble way, then we would be lost. Now it might seem to us that to proudly refuse to accept that is a strong thing. But what Simeon says, it is to stumble and fall on the rock. This stone, this Jesus, this salvation finds us out. Verse 35, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. We like to think that we will examine the gospel message and judge it, whether we believe or accept it. But the truth from God's perspective is our response turns out to be our judgment. It examines us. Whether to humbly offer ourselves before him and accept his grace offered through Jesus, which Simeon says is to rise. John 1, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So Simeon finishes with a sobering personal comment to Mary, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. It is, of course, a hint, an indication of how salvation will be accomplished. Mary would one day watch her boy die on a cross, but she also would gloriously witness him resurrected. 
So salvation has come through suffering, his suffering. So as I conclude, and as we go into the new year, it's good to remind ourselves of things. The gift of salvation comes through one man, but extends to the whole human race. And there is no one person to whom this gospel message is not directed. But even then, it's offered to each person in particular. And while this salvation is offered to all, it is not automatically as necessarily received and accepted. Now that may seem obvious to you perhaps now, but Simeon prophesied it as Jesus was but a child. Isaiah quoted it 700 years before that. The gospel of salvation is more wonderful than we can imagine, but it is also a personal challenge to us. The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed by this message. We'll declare or reveal ourselves by attitude to Jesus. Ultimately, you cannot be neutral. And Jesus requires each person to ask themselves whether they have accepted it or whether they still reject it. Let's pray for a moment. We thank you, Lord, that we have this wonderful passage, this testimony to who Jesus is. As we step into this new year, may our hearts be open to humbly receive you and know the joy of your salvation. Amen.